This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's the show that goes around the horn with your Minnesota Twins, with insight from the decision makers in the dugout and in the front office. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Well, let's go ahead and get started with another edition of Inside Twins. Chris Atterbury from our network headquarters here at Target Field. The Twins taking on the Royals today in Kansas City. Our program, as always, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. How memories are created and legends are made. We decided who wasn't busy. Who's not busy this weekend? Derek Falvey couldn't possibly be busy with the team in Kansas City with the trade deadline looming. So we've got Derek Falvey with us here via Zoom today for another episode of Inside Twins. And and Derek, just uh, uh, briefly from the the hot air balloon viewpoint of this thing, how busy are you over this this stretch? I mean, you're always busy anyway, but does it truly ramp up as much as I think most fans would believe with you rocking around with three different cell phones at all times <laughs> well fortunately it's just one cell phone the problem is there's probably seven different means of communication now we've got text we've got email we've got slack messages we've got obviously phone calls you know everything else so uh it's a little bit of a little bit of everything these days and and it is busy it really picks up over the last few days i think for the last month a lot of it's lead in you know high level conversations but certainly uh as of this weekend and then into the monday and tuesday stretch it'll be busy. You're a guy who's always said that deadlines drive action, and that, again, proves to be the case at times like this. You moved earlier, though, with the Jorge Lopez-Dylan Floro deal. Uh, change the scenery for two guys. Uh, what caused you to make that move when you did? Yeah, a difficult conversation to have internally as we thought about, you know, what's the right thing for our team now and going forward. Obviously, Jorge uh, did not pitch up to the, the, the level that he wanted to for us uh, and ultimately pitching toward the back end. You know, the role that he found himself in over the last few weeks uh, was geared a, a little bit more towards some intermittent you know, pitching. It wasn't as scheduled. It wasn't go get the seventh or eighth inning. And we're trying to help him through some things as he came back and, and, and pitched and performed. And then we got to a point where that role wasn't going to to, to come together, right? We expect Caleb Thielbar back today, which was the plan. Griffin Jacks has taken some, some of that role on. We hope for Brock Stewart to come back too for those guys to pitch leading into Duran. So the role was going to be a little more inconsistent. When we started talking to the other clubs and there was some interest, our hope was to try and find a way to impact this year's team and, and, and make us better now too. I think Dylan Floro in, in some ways comes with a, a different skill set uh, that is pitched anywhere from the fifth, sixth inning to the ninth inning this year uh, and ultimately kind of finds himself in that middle role and maybe a little bit better suited for that kind of role in the way that we're going to utilize them. So we felt it was a, a change of scenery a bit for, for both players. We do think there's actually some things Flora's done this year that have, that have been pretty good out there. And ultimately a guy that's pitched and has experience pitching toward any any role you need him in from the sixth through the ninth inning. Yeah, he's done it in World Series games. He's done it in big games. He's got a ground ball uh, uh, level that, that allows you to think he can get out of some sticky situations. And certainly he's not going to be cowed by any situation now on his sixth big league team. 
in your role running the Twins baseball operations, you've had every feasible type of trade deadline. You've sold, you've bought, you've swung big deals. Last year, everybody was hoisting you up above for making the big splash to bring to bring Mally in. Now, retrospect, things are different, right, as they pan out. Mm-hmm. You can only make the moves, though, in the moments that you're making them, whether it's that, whether it's getting Joe Ryan at the trade deadline, which has obviously been a boon, trading Jose Barrios at the deadline. What have you learned? from all those different scenarios and how do you take those experiences and help you this year, next year, moving onward? Well, I think Chris, you just hit it at the end. You take those experiences and those learning opportunities and you layer them on top of each other. Hopefully we get better each year in terms of how we make these decisions and what the process is. You just outlined there were you know, a number of outcomes that went in the, the positive direction for us. There are a number that didn't. And I think if you transact enough, a GM told me this a long time ago, if you transact enough, there's going to be a lot of really negative things they can write about you over the course of time. You can't get gun shy. You have to keep having, you know, focusing on the process, where your team is, what you're trying to do. Uh, ultimately, last deadline, we made some trades that we thought were really good trades for us that, that had an impact on the team. As you said, I think that was the general public perception and, and inside baseball perception. Those didn't work out for us, but you know, you go back to other deadlines, like you said, and you know, trading for Joe Ryan and the impact he's made. You know, trading a, a clubhouse favorite in Eduardo Escobar, who was becoming a free agent at the end of that year, that was hard. But to get three players back, one of whom ended up being Joan Duran for us, it's it's part of this business. It's the hardest part. Uh, you'd much rather be on this side of it, even though uh, buying can be a little bit more dangerous, so to speak. But it means your team's in a good spot. You feel like you're in a position. Uh, to go make some noise in the postseason, so that's where we are. We'll continue to learn from the process, and I, I think I think we'll we'll set ourselves up. We feel we have a good team already. Uh, we've got to find a way to to supplement it a little bit more. You're very process oriented. Uh, you look at data. You look for imperial reasons to do things. You try to keep emotion out of it. But you're a human being too. So, do you kick yourself? Do you have regrets? Do you wake up in the middle of the night thinking, "Man, I wish I had done this," or "I wish I hadn't done that," or are you? Do you not have the room to do that as you continue to constantly stay on the treadmill? Oh, gosh. I mean, you're, you're, you're emotional. You're human. Like you just said, when things don't go well, you get frustrated with those outcomes. The thing I, I try and do the best I can, go back on at the time when we made the decision, what were the reasons? And, and, what, and what did we, why did we make that decision? And whether the result is good or bad, you know, ultimately, do we feel pretty good about that process? And what if it went bad? What can we learn from that? What did we miss? You know, did we miss some information that we needed to layer on? Did we you know, get too impatient, you know, in, in terms of moving on from that player, so to speak, things like that. I think that we we are always evaluating that, but I have to try and evaluate the process. There have been times where we've had a good outcome where I felt like actually how we got to it in our process wasn't as good as maybe a good process led to a bad outcome. So I think we just need to always go after the process ends whatever happens Tuesday afternoon into Wednesday and the deadline has passed, you know, we have a chance to go back and assess what we did this deadline and what we could do better for going forward. Yeah. Deadline coming up, of course, on Tuesday, a lot of smoke in the air. Anytime this, this happens and a lot of different invested parties putting out different information that you have to wade through. I think there's a real perception reality split from the fan side of it to where you're sitting. Fans love big names. Obviously does the movement early of a big name, like a Max Scherzer, does that have ripple effects in the market for someone like you sitting where you are? Um, it has some in some ways. Obviously, those are the those are the big high profile moments every deadline. Certainly some of the premium players that move around and think it's good for the game creates a lot of attention. I think what we what you realize, though, is that sometimes those are unique to individual teams or an individual player, you know, going to a certain location. Oh, guys with no trade clauses have some impact in that. Right. So. 
I think it doesn't always have the ripple effect that people think. And you know, the thing that I find really funny uh, sometimes is I read the rumors about us out there and I go, wow, only like 10% of this is true. But then I read the rumors about the other teams. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, why am I bothering reading those? If, that, that, if that's the frequency at which they're correct about our club. But it's, it's part of what we all follow. How much of an, of an eye do you keep on your direct competition in the division? The White Sox obviously were a team that has made a lot of moves and probably will make some more. Cleveland makes a move, and it was that rare big leaguer for big leaguer swap, position player for a pitcher, uh, because those truly are the teams you have to beat to get into the postseason. How much are you watching what they're doing? You're keeping an eye on it because you're aware of all of the transactions, but I don't think it changes your process or your perspective, right? The needs for, as you just said, Chicago and Cleveland in particular, those are very different, right? Chicago definitely came into the season feeling they were in a more uh, more competitive position than they are right now from like a record standpoint, certainly. So they made some decisions that clearly look more like sell decisions, but you never know. You know, there's guys that come back in those deals that impact you right away, that, that have an impact on, on your team over the long term. Uh, and then Cleveland, obviously, with us battling this out right near the top of the division half for the whole year, I fully expect they're going to be in that same you know, last 24 to 48 hour conversation on ways to to augment their club. So I think uh, you keep an eye on it, but you can't really let it affect your process too much. That's Derek Falvey. He's a busy man. We're going to take a commercial break so he can feel about 700 text messages from fellow baseball insiders and fuel some of those rumors. We'll come back and talk more about the current Minnesota Twins right here on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins. Chris Atterbury alongside Derek Falvey today. Inside Twins is brought to you by Killer Brew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created, legends are made. We are here with the scoops first. Derek did not trade anybody during the commercial break. So we are back to talk about uh, where you currently stand here. And, and, and I haven't a question about Dallas Keuchel. It's a, a really interesting because of the way the rules fold in as well. Keuchel pitched again the other night with St. Paul. He's pitched well. He is not on the 40-man, uh, or he's not in the big league roster, obviously, right now. You have starting rotation depth. But he also hasn't pitched for a big league team this year. So is he a guy that even after the trade deadline, where he's still with your organization, could potentially be traded because he hadn't yet been in the big leagues? Is that how I remember that rule? Yeah, he's a he's a minor league player uh, on a minor league deal, so you know that that is a different series of uh, of, of transactions. But ultimately, we've been very transparent about this one. We brought Dallas in, excited about what he could potentially provide for depth. You never know when you're going to have an injury or something pop up on you. And I think he's really adapted and done well for us. Um, and we've been really open with him, you know, about the, the how it could work for us if something were to happen. Um, and ultimately, want to stay connected. He he bypassed his out, you know, first go around in this. He really enjoys St. Paul. He loves the group he's working with, uh, and would love a chance to pitch up with us. So we've maintained an open line of communication. If something ultimately with an opt out upcoming again, with if there was something that opened up at the major league level, we wouldn't stand in his way. That would be part of the the, the agreement here. Uh, that's pretty common across minor league deals like this. So uh, we just maintain a really good relationship and could see him up here at some point. Your club is in first place. That's the good news. You've got some plenty of bright spots, but also it's a team that can't seem to like get any traction. If I had told you at the start of the year, hey, you got a first place team, but you've never won more than four games in a row, and those would be the first four of the year, I think you would have looked at me like I had three eyes. Uh, this this issue of one and a half step forward and half step back, like at times it feels like the wheels are spinning. Do you see a way out? Because I know that you, everyone in the organization says we're, we're better than this. We'll be more consistent, but you're running out of tomorrow's to find that consistency a little bit. Yeah, no, no doubt, Chris. I mean, we're, we're not shying from that at all. We have not played in my mind, you know, particularly on the offensive side for a good chunk of the start of the year, the way I would have expected. 
Uh, we pitched great, you know, most of the year. And now we're in a little bit of a lull where some of our starters haven't pitched quite as well. And they've been carrying a good burden and a good load for a good chunk of the year. So I want to cu- cut them a little slack here. Yeah, that's not unexpected. I feel right? like, right, exactly. And so I, you know, so my view of this is we're kind of seesawing a little bit, you know, through the middle of this thing. I still believe the team that we saw come out of the break, maybe some of the, some of the early games we had here, but the fight we're even showing in some of these games late, I, I think is really a, a good sign for us. As you said, we're in first place. That's our focus. Let's let's just continue to focus on what we can control, which is win today's game. Obviously, have not played as well the last couple of days, but I still believe in the core of this team. I still believe that once that group is going the way we expect it to go, we'll we'll give ourselves a chance to play uh, good games in the fall. Yeah, and again, on any given day, if you're playing right, it's a formidable bunch, and you have the starting pitching and the bullpen at the back end, which you would think would allow you to be in a lot of really competitive situations. Let's talk about Byron. I know you've been asked about him a ton. Rocco gets asked about him a ton. If he were healthy enough to play center field, he would be playing center field. So that's not really the issue. The question is, is this just what it is for the rest of the year with Byron Buxton, where he's going to have some ups, but with the more success, the more activity, he's also going to probably have some downs just because of where he is physically. Yeah, I think, you know, we continue to stay hopeful about the about the potential for him to get on the field. I do, at least. And certainly I know there's a lot of people who feel that way. As you said it, if we could have him out there every day in center field, he wants it. We want it. Everybody wants it. I, I promise you that. But unfortunately for him, it's been it's been an up and down journey where there have been some days where maybe he's needed a little bit of backing off of the volume of his running just to maintain where he's at. And we've kept him on the field from a from a hitting standpoint for a good chunk of the year. So. We'll continue to evaluate that. We're not shying from that. It's a conversation with Byron. It's a conversation with our medical staff, uh, with the coaches, how things are going on a day-to-day basis. And uh, I'll, I'll keep that uh, open, that door open until it's, it's clearly not going to be able to be open for us. And I'm hopeful that's still the case in August and September. Is that constantly you, Nick, Byron, uh, others also every day just kind of saying, here's where we are, here's where we need to be if we're going to take another step forward? Is that constant evaluation? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's every day because I think that would be kind of overkill over the course of 162 games. But I would tell you that it's kind of small stretches of time that things are going well. Obviously, we get medical reports every day. We know what the players are getting treatment, what that treatment looks like, how they're managing, you know, some of the stresses, even the stuff that doesn't keep guys out of games. You know, that, that might just be the maintenance that they get done on a regular basis in the training room to, to stay upright through a season. So I think that, you know, ultimately we see that every day and, and every so often usually over a short stretch, we check back in, have that conversation and decide whether or not this is the right stretch to have it again. You brought up a name earlier that I think could be a critical one in the back half of the season for the Twins, and that's Brock Stewart. He's a guy who was pitching really well and doing it in really high leverage situation. Like almost all pitchers, especially ones who suddenly late in their career start throwing really, really hard. He's had some arm issues before. Where is he and what is the likelihood that he can come back and find that, uh, that form again? Yeah, we, we definitely loved what we saw from Brock earlier this year. When he stepped up, uh, he came up, obviously, she said, a, a relative unknown over the last couple of years. This guy was a prospect a few years back. Tremendous job by our personnel group and our player development group. Signed him to a two-year minor league deal, re- finishes rehab, get him on a good plan, programming, came into spring training this year. We saw some real flashes during that time of, of what the stuff could look like. Then he went on a run in AAA, and we ultimately called him up. And he settled himself into that seventh, eighth inning role really well for us. And, and ultimately, uh, we hope that he can get back into that. Our focus now is getting it knocked out with any type of soreness, inflammation, or otherwise, which he's at. He's throwing bullpens now. And then I think our next step, uh, once we tick into August here, is to talk about what a rehab assignment looks like. We're going to be thoughtful about that because we want to make sure that 
anytime a guy's dealing with forearm elbow stuff, you want to get fully cleared and past any type of soreness and recovery. So as long as his bullpens continue to track, my hope is that early August at some point we could see him on a rehab assignment and then tracking back to the big leagues after that. Well, as you said, that forearm, anytime you hear that, I mean, that that's so often been a gateway to bigger issues. Do you feel so far you've been ahead of it and that it it's not pointing in that direction? Yeah, I think what Brock did was was reveal it to us early when he was feeling it. So in some cases, you see pitchers, they get a cranky elbow or a cranky forearm. They pitch through it a little more and then a little more. Then by the time they realize it's, it's, it's an issue, you know, it's maybe a little further along. Brock, because he's dealt with elbow problems in the past, got ahead of it. We shut it down right away. We really slowed everything down in his process. We MRI'd it. You know, his, his ligaments intact, all the things that you're worried about with respect to Tommy John type issues. Those none of that was none of that was present. So I think for us now it's about building him back up, almost as if he was shut down from spring training time again, and getting him enough innings to get back into big league games. Well, at a time when everybody's looking for big arms in a bullpen, he is one. And if he can be right, he can certainly be a massive, massive shot in the arm for Twins bullpen down the stretch. Derek Falvey's our guest. One final segment before we head to Kansas City for our pregame lineup card and then baseball between the Twins and the Royals. We'll step aside. We'll come back and chat more with Derek on your home for Twins baseball. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Chris Atterbury, one more time, welcoming you back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created, legends are made. Derek Falvey is here, got a tour group behind us. We got lots of stuff going on here at Target Field today. Twins trying to avoid a sweep in Kansas City coming up after our program. And uh, Derek, obviously trade deadline uh, is on everybody's mind, but you're trying to win a ball game here today as well. And you're also thinking about the future. Walker Jenkins personified that. He was in the building the other day. He walked by me, and I had to text Michael Kadire. I was just like, oh, my God, this kid can't be 18. Uh, he is a big, strong kid. He looks the part. Where is he? I know a couple of your draftees have been playing in that complex league. Things are a little different now uh, in the way the leagues are structured in, in terms of where these kids go to play. What's the plan for him the rest of the summer? Yeah, Walker came in, and uh, you said it. I, you know, I, I got the chance to sign him, uh, so I signed right next to him when we were signing the paper. Uh, the pen looks a lot smaller in his hands than it did in mine. I can tell you that. Uh, he is a, he's one of those kids who's going to grow into his body probably quite well. He's going to be a pretty physical kid somewhere down the line, uh, hopefully patrolling the outfield here in Target Field, not too, not too distant in the future. But we took him to Florida, uh, as we did with a lot of those other players. You know, the unique reality now uh, for fans to know some is it used to be that the draft was in early June, and that was typically right after the high school season had ended for most kids. Well, now the high school season ends. Maybe it's May or early June. We don't have the draft until mid-July. We don't get them signed until the end of July. So there's a lot of time down for them. Uh, the agents definitely represent that they don't want their players to do too much during that time to get hurt, you know, the risk associated with all that. So you almost want to be careful on the back end that you're getting them back into full baseball activity, getting on a field, running and going. I will expect him to be in some complex league games here as we go over the next few weeks. But he's down in Florida uh, getting himself ready. All right, and the Twins getting ready to tangle with the Kansas City Royals, and then they're off to St. Louis with an off day tomorrow. So the off day uh, on the on the day that uh, the, the deadline hits, that a plus for you uh, to not have to worry about what's going on on the field? 
Definitely. I, I will tell you, there's some days I know I've had the deadline. You talk about all the deadlines I've been through over the course of my career, somewhere you are pulling players out of BP groups or you know, something's happening live in, in that day. It's hard because, you know, the media is around. Obviously, it's an emotional time for a player, especially when it's been traded from an organization they've been with for a long time when you're when you're selling. Um, and then even just the moves that you naturally have might bump somebody out of a, out of a room. So there's a lot of anxiety in the next 24 to 48 hours across baseball. Some players may not let on with that, but I've seen it in that room, just the uncertainty of what's going to happen. And then there's an exhale after, after it all ends and it all goes down and, and you know where you're going to be for the rest of the year. Yeah. You definitely have to be cognizant of that with the big leaguers and the minor leaguers can get out of whack too, because you got a lot of guys checking their phones constantly wondering what their future holds. Yeah, that, that's one of the harder parts that I, I recognize as part of the job in the media, you know, ultimately to speculate this. But oftentimes you'll see a player, a really good player in your minor league system, be rumored that he might be on the move or a trade target, even though we have no interest in trading that player and ultimately have said no a, a dozen times. It's hard to then tell that player afterwards, you know, you weren't part of a, a shopping list for us, ultimately. Uh, but you have to you have to get guys ready for that. Our minor league coaches and, and staff and player development crew do a nice job of that and just say, don't listen to it. You know, once you get through the back end of it, uh, the decisions will be made and, and focus on what you can control. All right. We've got one minute until we're done. And obviously everything is still incredibly fluid. As you said, you think it'll go right up to the wire. Uh, but do you feel, if you had to guess, that there will be one, if not more, new members of the Minnesota Twins when the dust is clear to the deadline? Yeah, it's, a, it's a good question. I would say that uh, today, you know, right now, it doesn't feel like anything's on the on the ten yard line or the five yard line or about to end the end. So it, it feels like it's still very exploratory. But I've been through this enough, as you've said over the years, that I know that some of those exploratory ones can turn on a dime. We have a lot of conversations active, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we have something done by Tuesday. But hard to know when that pivot's going to happen. And I, I like our team. I like a lot of elements to it right now. I think, as we've just said, with getting Jorge Polanco back with. Caleb Fieldbar coming back on the roster today with Brock Stewart not far behind. Those are additions in my, our mind. And Royce Lewis coming back at some point here in August, too. We feel really good about that. Could we find other ways to augment? We're hopeful that we can. But ultimately, I know that a lot of that group in the room is going to be a big part of what we do down the stretch and, and going to have to lead us to, to where we want to go. A big part indeed, and maybe just that one little thing can be that thing that kicks it into gear and gets this team off Absolutely. on a streak. Derek, we appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you again post-deadline. The show is Inside Twins, uh, and we are uh, done for the day on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons 
the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.